You're listening to another lockdown episode, bonus episode of County Live. I'm Martin Johnson. I'm here in the County Live offices in uh, in our studio, and over uh, standing in the middle of Torquay Park with his shirt off, drinking cider, is Chris Ridgway. <laughs> you are, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, they're well close. Close, just without the park or the shirt off or the cider. Uh, you're <laughs> yeah. Bob on, yeah. yeah. And you're not in Torquay Park, but apart from that. Very, very accurate. Yeah, yeah, super accurate. <laughs> super accurate. But do you know what uh, what uh, Lady Johnston said to me this evening? She's... What did Lady Johnston say to you? So I have a very elaborate um, sound booth set up. So I've got two ke- chairs in the kitchen and an old mattress. Basically, this is true, um, to, um, to stop the echo from this room. So I went in the kitchen to get the chairs and she was watching Peter Kay videos on YouTube. And I, she said, what are you doing? I said, I'm recording with Chris. It's Tuesday night. She went... Is he coming round? No, I hope you told him no. Is she? Is he coming round? I said. <laughs> she said, "Do you know what? I totally forgot for a minute we were in lockdown. That's what we've come to. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's where we are. So yeah. I would, I would absolutely love to come round, but uh, it's just yeah, it's not appropriate right now. It's not. It's not appropriate. It's not safe, and it's not right. No, it's but, not. But it's um we're doing it's double legends this week, isn't it? Um no, so basically let's we we should hammer this out. Unfortunately, there was no podcast on Tuesday night. Uh, reasons uh, not within our control meant that uh, the top three kits podcast that you and I were looking so forward to uh, had to take a back seat. Unfortunately, um, it will be back. We will bring it back next week, uh, all being well. But it had to unfortunately um, take a seat on the shelf this week so we're only going to go with the one this week but what an episode we've got lined up tonight we've got probably mr stockport county certainly it's between him jim kevin francis isn't it we've got captain fantastic mike flynn on the show tonight i I think this is going to be amazing there aren't many players at many football clubs who have a nickname um and people just could use that nickname um, rather than you know, call him by by his name. Everybody knows him as Flinny. Everybody I've met knows him as Flinny, and that's just like a mark of of the affection that he's held within the club and within the town. Oh, mate, the the the, the mark of the man. You know, I think if you were to put an a, a, an iconic image next to Stockport County, it'd probably be him swinging his shirt. Um, with no top on you know if you look at some of the most memorable moments through the 90s you know he's the captain throughout all that um, he's what he is to Stockport County is you know clubs clubs yearn for this kind of character you know they yearn for that legend that they can put on the wall and, and say that he's you know he is our he is our uh, amazing player and the fact that he as, you know, he was there as a player. Um, he was there. He then came back as, as Jim Gannon's assistant. Um, just incredible. And um, the, the, to to have him on the show and to speak into the depth that we did, I'm really looking forward to playing this one because, as you've heard in the in the other interviews so far, we don't just speak about what what happened at, at County in their time, but we also speak about what happened both before and after it. Now, the lads that we've spoken to prior um, to Jim uh, to to Flinney, you know, people like Sean Connolly and Tony Dinning, they were talking about coming to county as a youngster, but Flynn already had this career behind him. You know, he already he already knew the rules of the game. He already, you know, he'd been around the block, so to speak. Um, so he's got some great stories about um, how he, you know, his first big move and, you know, how it all came about and then how he stayed in the game. And yeah, I think uh, I re- I'm really looking forward to playing this one tonight. I think that I, I even I know um, know that shirt swinging picture really well, and you know what? That would make such a great mural somewhere in uh, Stockport. And if we lived in Belfast, that would definitely be a mural. And on the other end of the yeah. house, there'd be me and you in front of the mic. <laughs> <laughs> we should use that picture of uh, me, you, and Jim in the spinning top uh, Christmas <laughs> a few years ago, pulling a cracker. Yeah, <laughs> where we all look completely. St- only, only Jim looks good in that picture. <laughs> anyway, let's play uh, Chris's interview with Mike Flynn. Mike Flynn, very good evening. Thank you for joining us here on Stockport County Live. We just had a very quick chat off air, and we were saying, what a weird time to be doing this. How are you finding, first of all, how are you finding quarantine and lockdown? Um, to be honest, um, thank God I've got a dog. 
so I can actually get out of the house and uh, experience a bit of uh, fresh air. Obviously, um, the, the wife, um, she works in the school, and she's off, and the daughter is an um, assistant manager of Pure Julian Tolford, and she's been furloughed. So, um, yeah, uh, the family's together. Um, my son is still in London, um, but we speak to him regular each day. But, yeah, it's um, quite surreal, really, uh, being at home and not having a lot to do. I've been speaking to um, to a few players, you know, a few former players and, and legends and different coaching staff and people in the game and in other sports these last couple of weeks. And um, the the main thing I'm getting is for sports people, I'm sure you're the same. It's just that it's 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 the breaking concentration because as a sports person, as an athlete, you're used to being out and about. You're not used to being housebound. No, exactly. Uh, you know, obviously, all, all my career uh, through playing and obviously coaching, um, I've, I've always been used to, uh, you know, kind of a strict routine. You know, especially you know the last few, uh, well, the last two years since being at Rochdale. You know, I'm there at eight o'clock, finish at five o'clock on the a Monday, finish at half nine on a, a Tuesday night after I've coached on the fifteenth, Wednesdays off. Uh, you know, and you get into that routine. You know, I'm still waking up at half past six every day like I normally do. Uh, take the dog out for a walk but you know after that you know the day's empty you know there's nothing to do so you know the back garden is looking well all the uh, painted the, um, you know the shed's painted you know uh, the wife uh, went out um, shopping with the daughter just before lockdown and come back with a bloody um, hot tub um, so that's probably been a, a blessing in disguise really um, with the you know the, um, the good weather we've had recently so I've been able to jump in there and you know, have, have some fun, really. Yeah, well, it's not a bad investment to make. Just a quick thing on Rochdale. I mean, f- feel free not to give us any uh, sensitive or, or information or whatnot, but how, how are the players there finding it? Obviously, league club, players can't train. How, what's the feel around the place? Um, it's a weird one, really, because obviously, uh, you know, I'm the um, YDP phase leader at Rochdale, so I'm in charge of all the 16s down to the, the under-13s. But because uh, I've been furloughed, I'm not actually allowed to contact any of the players um, through phone, um, through social media, um, through PMA, which obviously all the kids log on each day. They put all the stuff that they're doing away from the football club. They log the technical stuff they do, um, the fitness stuff, uh, the, the conditioning work. They do all that, but I'm not allowed to log on to anything um, to keep a track of anything they're doing. Um, the only thing I can actually do at the moment is um, keep watching the kids on their own WhatsApp um, page, just watching the videos that they're putting on with them doing the, the fitness work and the ball work, but un- un- unable to comment on anything at all or else obviously we'll, um, we'll get in trouble and you know the club will lose the funding from the government for the, the furlough scheme. Yeah. Not really. Uh, it is very, very um, frustrating for myself. I can, um, I can imagine. I, How would you have found you it know, as a player? When, when you look back at your, your playing days, I mean, I, I know obviously you never had to live through anything like this, but I mean, how would you, how, can you even imagine how you would have found it? No, I, I, no, to be fair, I mean, obviously, you know, if you live in a mansion with you, you've got a big garden and your own personal gym, you know, there is ways and means of keeping fit. But, you know, we, we've got boys um, that, you know, live in the central Liverpool that are not allowed on the streets, got no football pitches near them. Uh, the, the parents are key workers, they're out at work, and the kids are just in their house all day. And, you know, for, well, for a footballer, you're only allowed out once. And, you know, how long are you allowed out? You know, what can you do on your own? You know, it's very, very hard to keep yourself motivated when you've got nothing to motivate motivate yourself against. Um, you know, if you're working with somebody, you know, you've got things to beat and challenges to, um, to you know, get better at. But on your own, you know, it's just you against it and the longer it goes on, I'm sure you get, well, I'm, I'm speaking for quite a few footballs, they are bored. I'm I'm not an athlete never have been never will but do you think there are going to be some players that fall into the trap that I know I've fallen into of just boredom snacking boredom get a couple beers boredom whatever that that pushes you down a slope exactly I mean I'll be 100% honest with you the same things happen to us you know we've kind of come um, you know programmed at the moment you know you get up you have your breakfast you get to dinner time you know, you look at your watch, you go in, you get some dinner, even though you're not in, interested in eating. 
and it gets to about three o'clock, you go to make a brew, get the milk out, and you come back with a can of Fosters, you know, and then that's that's me for the rest of the night, you know. And yeah. I'm, I'm sure, you know, I'm, I'm not the only person um, that's doing it. You know, I'm sure there's lots and lots of people that are doing exactly the same, even though they don't really want to do it, but the boredom, you know, just set in and you just get programmed into doing same things time and time again. Yeah, no, it's, it's a strange one. So, uh, right, well, it means we're even more appreciative uh, to have you on the show tonight. Of course, we're we're here to speak about mainly Stockport County, but but you as as a whole, really. I mean, your your football adventure uh, started way before County, and it had a, a long run after it as well. So so embedded in the game um, that yeah. you are. Uh, we we spoke about how you how you might have handled it if you were a nineteen year old or even younger getting involved. How did you spend those years when you were looking to get into the game? When you were looking to, when you were just a kid who played football and thought that maybe you had what it took. Yeah, I mean to be fair, I mean I've, I've always obviously always played football. Um, I've always been one of the better players in most of the teams that I played in. Um, I was fortunate enough to play for the school team that led on to me uh, representing the town team, Oldham. And then um, went on to play for Greater Manchester. Um, from there, obviously, the, the scouts start circling, um, yeah. not only for myself, but I mean, I did play for um, a really successful um, Sunday League team called Boundary Park Juniors, which, you know, produced Mike Robbins, um, uh, Paul Scholes, you know, to name I bought a few. But, um, you know, so yeah, people were aware of what I was doing um, whilst I was playing for the town team, and um, I was, you know, after going to a few clubs, Everton, Blackburn, Halifax, uh, Oldham, and as soon as Oldham came knocking, um, that was actually the one I, I really, really wanted. Um, I did get offered a um, two-year apprenticeship and a year pro at Bolton um, when Walter Joyce was the, um, the UT manager, but he did say to me that he didn't think I would be big enough to be a centre-half, and he thought I'd make a great right-back. You know, and that was a deal breaker for me. I only went to play number five. So when Alden came knocking, um, that was my dream move. I oh, sorry, dream club to sign for in the old town team. I was um, a, um, a season ticket holder at Alden. You know, my father was an Alden fan. You know, all my friends and family were Alden fan, and you know, it, it, it was it was just the icing on the cake to sign for Alden. And you know, that was the start of my career. Obviously, right at the beginning, but um, fortunately, I got into the first team. You know, quite a young age, and um, before I knew it, I played 40 games, and I was being sold to Norwich when I was um, 18, nearly 19. So, yeah, it was quite a whirlwind start to my career. I, I want to speak about the Norwich move. I want to speak about a couple of other things, but but there's one thing that, that jumped out at me there, uh, and it was when you say Bolton come knocking, and they they yep. offer you a position as a right back, but for you it was something you were going to turn down because you wanted to play. Number five. Now, there's a lot of young lads out there, and I'm not even going to say it, it's a bad thing because players like to some players like to adapt the game. They like to see the talent. Do you think that was maybe the first sign of you being strong-headed in the game? The fact that you were able to say, even at such a young age, to a club like Bolton, that's not what I'm after. You know, a lot of players would have taken that role as a right back just to get the contract at Bolton. That you know, they'd have made it work. They'd have tried to, to find a way. But the fact that you were strong enough to say. No, I'm not having that. Uh, I, I'm, thanks, but no thanks. Maybe is that yeah, the indication for how you started as a, as a strong-minded player? Well, I, I, to be fair, I think I'm, I'm, you know, all, all the way through my career, I, I've been strong-willed and a, a leader. And, you know, at that early age, I've played all my career um, for, you know, going back to my school at Fairbank Primary School, uh, riding youth clubs, then progressing to Bounce Park Juniors, then... Uh, playing for the town team, the county team. I'd always played number five, and for Ball Wanderers to say, "Yeah, we'll take you. Um, you know, we're going to give you basically a three-year contract, but we're going to um, kind of reinvent you into a right back." It's like, wow, right back. I've never played right back. I mean, the only other time, um, you know, skipping forward a little bit, I played right back was when I, I left Stockport and went alone to um, to Stoke. Uh, Goodson Thornton had me playing right back there and I was to be fair I was like a fish out of water you know I was the most narrowest right back you've ever seen to the centre half you know I, I could hold hands with the right side of centre half you know I never got over the halfway like before the game you say like I want you up and down the wing putting crosses in defending crosses you know the only time I went over the halfway line was for half time to go get a cup of seat but you know <laughs> you know going back to the the Bolton thing was you know 
I believed that I was good at what I did. And all these clubs, like I said, Everton's, you know, Huddersfields, all the other ones, they all saw me as a centre-half. Now, Bolton had different ideas, but, you know, I, I think I was quite prepared, along with, um, you know, the backing and the... Uh, from my parents that yeah you know there is a good centre half in you there you know keep strong and, and something will happen and you know lo and behold it did and you know as the years have gone by I've bumped into um, to Walter Joyce many times and, and sadly now you know he's no longer with us yeah. you know, he's, he's, some, he's Warren now he's at Salford he used to be ex, ex United and Preston uh, you know and we have a laugh about it you know and to be fair you know everybody doesn't get decisions right you know they saw me as one thing but you know I went on to have a successful football career you know playing almost 800 games you know for, for lots and lots of different league clubs so all the other managers couldn't have been wrong by you know taking me and playing me in, in the position that I preferred. So in the end you, you signed for Oldham you, you, like, yeah. like you say boyhood club and, and everything else how was that? I mean, you're taking the transition then from playing youth football, from from playing for Greater Manchester, from playing, from going on trial, all the all the clubs. You get the you get the deal done. You are now officially a professional footballer. What happens? Yeah, what happened? I mean, you just continue obviously working hard. I mean, going back in them days, uh, you had a first team of reserves and the B team. Um, you know, I, I played a lot of them. Obviously, when I first signed for the, the youth team, stroke B team, but you know, I quickly got. Um, push forward and playing with the reserves. Now, the reserve league, going back at them years, where players that weren't in the first team were playing in reserves to get back into the first team. So it's quite competitive. And for me to be playing alongside the likes of Paul Jones and Glenn Keeley um, at Oldham was fantastic. And, you know, it, it wasn't too long before I was in the first team and, and I was taking, you know, the shirt off, you know, you know household names, you know, and... To be fair, I mean, you know, I, I tell the kids that I coach at Rochdale now that you know, you've got to play every game like it's your last because there's always somebody knocking <coughs> on the door who's trying to nick your shirt off you. Yeah. You know, so, you know, that, that was the mentality I had at the beginning and, you know, that was the mentality I had when, uh, you know, I finally hung my boots up when, obviously, the, you know, the old, the old knees weren't what they needed to be. But, um, you know, I still give it everything that I gave in the first game that I gave in the last game. No, I completely agree, hundred percent. Now, you hear, I mean, in the in the days of you know of the modern era of Sky Sports News and everything else, we hear transfer talk all the time. But you've you've lived through a club like Norwich City coming looking for you, asking about you, and then the move happening. How did that all come about? What what happened when when you're at Oldham and I, I don't know? Does the manager sit you down? Does the does does your your agent or your dad or whoever sit you down and say this is what's happening? The, the, the first thing um, we knew, obviously, was um, read in the local paper that um, you know there, there was quite a lot of interest in young friend of Mike Flynn, um, quite a few clubs, but namely um, Norwich City had shown a massive interest. Now I think you um, we Oldham played Norwich in either a league game or a cup game. I can't actually remember, and they really liked the look of um, Andy Linnigan and myself. Now um, Joe has since told me that they wanted to take care of us at the same time. Um, but Joe said you can either take one or the other. I can't lose both centre-halves in one. Yeah. So they took Andy um, first, I think they paid about 750 grand for Andy. And then they came back to me in, in the December. Um, Joe, Joe sat me down he just said, look, he said, um, you know, you're in the first team, you've played 40 games on the spin. I don't want to lose you, but a club that's really close to my heart that I would recommend anybody to go and talk to have come in. They've offered £150,000 for you. Um, I know it doesn't sound a lot now, but in 1988, it was a lot of money for um, an 18-year-old kid who's you know, earning, earning 75 quid a week at Oldham. <clears throat> so, I, think, I think it's a massive... Yeah. I don't understate it. I think 150 grand is a massive fee even these days. Anyway... Well, any yeah. yeah. But the way, you know, obviously the way transfer fees are now, you know, if you sold to a kid now, 150 grand, they'd laugh at you. You know, so, yeah. you know it's not a lot of money type thing, but, hey, yo, it is the way it is. But he, he did say to me, he said, go down there, fantastic part of the world. You know, I had a um, great time down there. Go and speak to the manager um, and see what they say. If you can agree terms, you know, it's up to you. If you don't, you know, I'm more than happy for you to come back and, you know, play in our first team. So I, I actually went down on the train with my father and um, we were supposed to meet Dave Stringer and um, Duncan Forbes, the chief scout in the post house at Norwich. 
um, we, me and my dad were sat in reception, and he says to me, he said, do you actually know what the manager looks like? And I said, to be honest, dad, no. <laughs> you know, so that was that. So me wow. and my dad were sat in, uh, in reception waiting for, you know, Norwich City manager and the chief scouts to come, who'd actually been and done all the, you know, the dossiers and the reports on me. Uh, we sat there and we're waiting and waiting and waiting. These two blokes walked in. I looked at my dad, my dad looked at me, and I'm like, I don't know, I don't know. So actually, Duncan Forbes, it was the, the chief scout come on and said, you know, tell me how you're doing. This is, um, you know, David Stringer, uh, the manager of Norwich City. Uh, and that was that. So we were, we're there, we sat down in the, the post house. He says, like, um, you know, obviously, he wants to sign you. The fee's been agreed with Joe, £150,000. Um, we don't see you as going straight into the first team. You know, we, we see you as the future. Now, the year I signed for Norwich is when they beat Bayern Munich in the, uh, <coughs> in the Euro- European Cup. Uh, Jeremy Goss scored goal. You know, they had Dale Gordon, uh, Malcolm Allen, Robert Fleck. You know, they, they, had, uh, they had a great team, to be honest. Mm. Um, so, yeah, he said, what do you want? I'm like, what do you mean, what do you want? He said, like, what sort of wages, sign-on fee, this, that, and the other, appearance money. I'm like... Well, to me, Dan, I said, I don't know. He says, well, you, you need to ask for something. I'm like, bloody hell, you know. So I said, wow. Dad said, do you mind if you have a you know, couple of minutes? So we actually left the room, and um, he says, what are you going to ask for? I said, I don't, I don't, I'm not saying if I could eat, hold him. He said, well, what do you think? I'm like, well, shall I ask for double? He don't sell yourself short, son. Don't sell yourself short. Yeah. I'm like, oh, oh, so what am I supposed to do? So anyway, it's got a long story short. I found uh, Andy Ritchie, um, Obviously, the, the, the first team uh, number nine at Oldham asked him what to ask for, and he told me what sort of sign on fee to ask for and um, what sort of wages to ask for. And I'm like, You sure? You really sure? He's like, Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm like, No way, no way. So, like, walking into, back into the, um, to the room with, to speak to Duncan and, and the, the manager, and he says, Have you got a figure? So, I, I told him what sort of sign on fee I wanted. Um, and he went, right, no problem. Wages, he went, yeah, anything else? Wow. I'm like, wow, yeah, you know, wow, yeah, okay. Uh, but appearance money, yeah, that's fine. You know, and did you know, loads of little things, because at the time, I just played for England under 18s with Oldham, and so I said, you know, put a little bit of appearance money for, you know, representing my country, if I get selected again, yeah, no problem. You know, and then within half an hour, everything I'd asked for, it said, said, yeah, basically, done and dusted. So as as we came out of the room, Dad said, "You bloody idiot! You should have asked for all." <laughs> well, I mean, to talk about learning at the deep end. I mean, I guess that set you up well then for. I mean, that that surely that's invaluable experience. You're you're sitting at yeah, a table it, yeah, at the beginning of that conversation. You know, you, you didn't know your backside from your elbow. By the end of it, no, you, I, you've got the negotiations. Yeah, you know. So you know, I kind of grew up quite a lot. Uh, in that, you know, hour or whatever, I was at the post house, you know, in that meeting with people, and, you know, I was on, to be fair, I was, I was on pretty good money, you know, signing on fee was good, you know, and um, I'd signed a full-year contract with a, a club that, at the time, were at the top, top of Division 1, which is now the um, the Premiership. Um, signed, I say, I had four years there, so, I, I was, you know, I was guaranteed good money for four years, but after 11 months, I'd not played a first-team game, I'd only been in the squad twice, and I was missing playing in front of fans. You know, I was playing for them, their reserves, every Friday night in the combination, which obviously is um, the reserve league. Yeah. I was going down to London on a Friday night, you know, coming back late hours, you know, watching the first team. You know, not getting to see my family much because, you know, obviously Norwich is them that will. And it, it wasn't for me. So um, I went in to see Dave Stringer um, after 11 months. I said, look, Gaffer, I said, you know, I love it here. I said, but there's just one thing missing. I'm, I'm not playing first-team football, and that's what I've been used to for the past, you know, um, 18 months old. And, you know, I miss playing in front of the crowds. And he said, no, 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 no. You know, this is um, a backward step to go forward. You know, this will launch your career. You know, you're the future. You're the future of the football club. And I'm like, well, you know, I, I don't want to be the future. I want to be now. Mm. So, he, in the end, he, he just said, you know, we've invested a lot of money in you. But we will, um, reluctantly, if we can get our money back, we'll let you go. Just to help you get back playing first-team football. You know, and then, fortunately, um, John McGrath, bless him, who's obviously passed away now, expressed the manager. Um, he came in, offered 150 grand and bought me. 
you know, so I went from uh, 150 grams from Alden. 11 months later, I was going for another 150 grams to Preston, which is a club record signing to Preston at the time. You know, and then three years later, another record signing to County for another 150 grams. Was it? I mean, yeah, it was quite a bit of a whirlwind, it was. Was it, was it a difficult decision to make? To, like you say, a club like Norwich, all right, you're not playing games, and it, you know, I, I completely sympathise. That must have been a really frustrating period as, as a footballer. You want to be playing, you want to be in front of those crowds, nothing yep. else. But you're still, you're still making this the, the decision to step away from that. But at the same time, you've initiated the conversation. Was it an easy one to step away from? It was for me because I, I wanted. It's like in the beginning, you know, I knew I wanted, and I wanted to play first team football. Yeah. You know, that's every, every boy's dream, every footballer's dream is to train. You know, the heart out Monday to Friday and have a game on Saturday morning and then another game on a Tuesday night. You know, for me, I was training and I was going to Millwall all the way on a Friday night playing in front of 50 people. You know, then I'd train all weekend and then, you know, we'd play Ipswich away you know, on a Tuesday night. Mm. You know, less than 100 people there. And that wasn't me, that. You know, I was playing in front of, you know, you know the 10,000, 12,000 that I'd been used to playing in front of. You know, when I made the decision that I was going to leave a club that was at the top of Division One, which obviously is the Premiership now, to go back, you know, to Preston, which in its own right is a massive club. But I wanted to play first team football, and I went there and I had a really, really good time at Preston. You know, my wages had gone up quite considerably from leaving Oldham to going to Norwich, and they didn't go down any from leaving Norwich to go to Preston. So it was win, win, win for me. Was it when you went to Preston and you, you said you had a great time and, of course, it's, it's a big club. Was that the, the, the move, if you like, that engineered the eventual move to County where you played, you know, 400 games? It Was was that was that the, was Preston the, the springboard to that, if you like? Yeah, I mean, the, 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 I mean, I love Preston, you know. I've got lots of good friends over there, you know, people, I speak to people, fans and that, uh, you know, and I got on really, really well, um, like I did at all the clubs, really. You know, I think the fans appreciate some of that, you know, kids are all week in, week out, whether it's going well for you or it's not. You know, they put a shift in and people can um, relate to that, you know. And, um, yeah, um, I played week in, week out for Preston. We had that stupid um, plastic pitch. Um, John Beck at the time, um, after McGrath had, um, had got moved on, um, he played me centre midfield, so I was flying around with a pair of silly tracksuit arms on, you know, taking every throwing on the pitch. And um, when I did sign for County, Danny Begada said he'd never seen anybody win as many headers in one game against Kevin Francis than I did. And that just um, made his mind up that he wanted to sign me. He said he, he knew of me, but once he saw how well I could hit the ball, um, his mind was made up. And obviously, you know, he paid a club record signing 150 grams for me to bring me to county just let, let let's just let's just pick up on that conversation we can't let that just just go under the radar so stockport county's two i mean two premier names of the last uh, 30 years you know the, the the two mr stockport counties if you like mike flynn and kevin francis this came about because you two played against each other and essentially you won the aerial battle yeah, that, that's what Danny said to me. He said he'd never seen a player win as many headers against Big Kev um, in, in, in any time. And that was sort of convinced him to sign me. And, uh, you know, thank God um, he did sign me because obviously, you know, the next 10 years were absolute joy um, to be involved with the football club. Do, do, you you know, do you remember the game? Do you remember the game where you, you, I mean, it's probably a big ass now, but going back all those years when, when you played against County and you see this big, massive unit, number nine, Kevin Francis coming on the pitch, do you remember anything about the game? Do you remember thinking he's a big lad? Did you know anything about him already? No, no to, to be fair, I mean, I, I think everybody uh, knows about Big Kev, what, you know, what attributes he's got. You know, a lot of people just think he's, he's, he's good with his head because of his size, but, you know, the amount of goals he actually scored with his feet and, and set ups and assists he did for other people, you know, he, mm. he had everything Big Kev. You know, and he, he was labelled um, not a donkey, but you know, people didn't. I don't know the word I'm looking for, but he, he wasn't conventional. Yeah, clumsy. Uh, you know, so but yeah, you know, um, you know, I, I still speak to Kev now. You know, we speak um, every every few months on the phone. You know, in Canada, 
And um, yeah, you know, he's uh, he's a fantastic friend of mine. You know, Sharon. You know, the kids. We we all speak, and you know, I'm just you know thankful for Danny that um, that he did sign me. You know, to be fair, I've, I've got a picture um, in, in one of my drawers at, um, at the house. You know, and it is me against Kev, and I'm actually about 18 inches above him <laughs> in the header. You know, and I keep reminding him every time I speak to him, and he just, you know, he, he just says, like, oh, it's a lucky one that, and I mistimed it, but, <laughs> you know, you listen to Danny, and, and that was the reason why Danny signed it, to be fair. So, so how did that how did that one come about? Did, again, I mean, you you know the script a little more now from from the experience of Norwich. I'm guessing if you know you hear Stockport County coming knocking, a you're going to find out what the manager looks like if you don't know already. But b you know what you're going to ask for when you sit down. You you're a much more experienced head if you like. Yeah. Um, yeah. What what happens then? Uh, you know, uh, Don Beck was um, the manager at Preston. He called me into the office. It was a deadline day in um, when we used to have the old deadline. He just said, look, we're at the wrong end of the division. There's a club that's coming through at the right end of the division. I need to generate money. Um, you're the one that I can shift on and I can replace with you know, two or three players to hopefully get us out of um, the relegation scrap that we're in. And you may go on and help this team get promotion. Um, so I was I'm like, well, you know, um, you know, I'm quite settled in Chatterton where I'm living with the wife. You know, I've already been down to Norwich, so you know, if it's somewhere... You know, northwest base, and I can commute to. You know, I'd be interested in speaking to them. So he said, Yeah, he said, Stockport County. So I said, Right, yeah, bring you on. Let's go down. So I went down. I just had a chat with, uh, with Danny. Um, I mean, this is the truth. I had a chat with Danny. He said, What sort of money you're on at um, Preston? So I told him, and he just died laughing. So I'm, you know, what, what's so funny about that gaffer? He went, If you sign for us, nobody has more money than Big Kevin. So I'm like, right, okay. So what's all money's been Kevin on? And I think he was on £25 um, less than what I was on, actually, at Preston. Yeah. So I'm like, wow, I've got to, I'm coming to a football club here. I'm club record signing, and I've got to take a cut and be on less than someone they paid 80 grand for. So anyway, it's got a long story short. We haggled and haggled and haggled, and he wouldn't move on it. So I ended up signing for Stockport on less money than what I was on at Preston because I couldn't be on more money than Big Kev. And that was the rule? Well, whether it was the rule or whether that was just Danny's rule, he was stubborn <laughs> enough and he stuck to it. And I thought, well, you know, I'm leaving a club that's in the bottom division to a club that's challenging for promotion. Um, I think the season I signed, I, don't, I was cup-tied in the auto class with Preston and I actually travelled down uh, with all the girls, um, the wives, on the um, the coach the day of the game. I think they got beat by, was it Peterborough in the yeah. final? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so that, that was my first season. But, yeah, um, quite quite funny how it turned out. But, yeah, I signed for Western Kev. But, you know, that, that is all history, isn't it? You know, <laughs> is what it is. One, one thing that I... Um... I enjoy asking the, the, the legends, the heroes of Stockport County, whenever I get the chances, what their first impressions of Danny Begara were. I mean, you've, you've you've kind of touched on it there already. He's known for being quite an eccentric character. The fans, rightly so, um, idolise his name. He's got a stand named after him at Edgeley Park. He's, he's the forefather, if you like, to so many county fans' journeys and so many careers have kicked on because of his. When when you come across Danny, what, what was that like? Um, initially, it was quite uh, a bit not hard, hard to understand, really. You know, he, he spoke with obviously with the Uruguayan uh, twang. Um, some of the stuff he said, uh, he knew what he wanted to say, but it didn't come out quite the, the right way. So he had to read between the lines. Um, you know, I remember one occasion um, we was training at Gatley, um, training ground there and um, turned up one of my first sessions and we had all these cones all over the place and you know I'm quite a visual person I can see things I try to work out and what we're doing yeah. and all these cones just randomly placed all over the, um, the football pitch where we were going to train and I'm like Gaffer he went yes yes he, he always he called me Skip um, obviously I was captain of Preston and he, he said yes Skip um, what do you want I just said like Gaffer I said like all these cones here, I said, I can't really visualise what I'm going to be doing. 
He went, no, 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 Flinny. They're covering the dog shit up. So straight away, like, you know, I'm like, wow, you know, this, this guy's going to be, we're going to get on really, really well. You know, like another one of them. Flinny, take the lads for a warm-up around the perimeter. I'm like, round the what? He went, the perimeter. I mean, the perimeter. He's like, ah, oh, perimeter, perimeter, you know what I mean. You know, it, it just went on from there. He was such a nice bloke. He meant well, and, you know, bless him. You know, he, he did wonders for the football club, you know, and, I, you know, he, he, he's set in the heart of everybody, isn't he? Uh, I was speaking to, to Andy Priest the other day, uh, and he was saying that the, the team, if you like, the management team of, of Danny Bagara, Dave Jones and John Sainty was John Sainty, was yeah. almost the, the perfect blend. You had Danny, who was obsessed with technique, wanted to play football, loved the game. You had Dave Jones, who was very motivational, who, who wanted to, to kind of get that bond with the players. And then John Sainty, who was, was really tactical and really well thought through. Is that something that you'd echo? Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. You know, I mean, you know, I mean, it's funny now, you know, I, I still speak to Saint every now and again, you know, over Facebook. You know, and that's going back, well, I think it's Ike County in 93. Yeah. You know, what we know, 20, you know, so it's a long, long time. And, you know, these people are legends of the football club. You know, and the football club wouldn't be where it is today without, you know, these people. You know, your big kids, your Danny's, your Joneses, AK, Andy Kilners, you know, your Saints. You know, they're all part and part of what Stockport County is, you know, and I'm just, you know, so glad to be, you know, spoken about in, you know, in the same breath as these people. Well, the the, the period that you were at the club, uh, granted, it was a it was a long period, but the period that you were there is, and I can say this from experience because it was the period that I fell in love with the club. Yeah. Was, you know, going as a kid with with my dad and, and everything else. The, the the era that you were in is possibly the the most fondly remembered. Certainly, it's certainly up there as as one of the most fondly remembered. You know, the the cup runs the. The, the management, the, the players that came in. And I, again, speaking with, with former players, in particularly Sean Connolly, who obviously you spent a good number of seasons with, um, you look at those managers and you think they are some of the iconic names for different reasons, starting with Danny, then Dave, and then you know, you've know you got Gary Megson, you've got Andy Kilner, who you know, these names are synonymous with the club for different reasons. You've moved into coaching, and I want to speak about your coaching career a little bit. I mean, you're, you're your own man. No, I can't. Yeah. I can't even begin to to suggest anything else. But have you? You must have learned things from those guys that that stick with you. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, you know, I can go all the way back to the beginning. You know, with Joe Royal. You know, I think as a player, you take things from every manager that you play under. Um, don't get me wrong. There's things that um, you're asked to do that you don't agree with, but obviously you have to do because that's what they want. So, you know, along the way, you keep things in your little notebook that, yeah, one day that'll work for me. Uh, that's what sort of things I can pass on to people that'll be coaching. No, that won't work for me. You know, there's things that, um, obviously, Danny did. He, his motivational skills was unreal. Uh, you know, some you know, some of the DJ's tactical stuff, Saints, you know. Everybody, you know, it's like John McGrath said to me when he signed me, for me at Preston. He said, um, you know, a football team is like a good soup. A good vegetable soup, you know, you got a carrot, you got a potato, you got an onion, you got a turnip, you got a celery, you got this, that, and the other. You need everything, you know. Mm. And, and I think to be a good coach, you need to take a little bit of everything from from all the people that you trust and you believe in, you know. And, and, and to be fair, you know, I, I think along the way I, I've gathered enough stuff from, you know, like like say, you know, your megos, you know, AK. You know, DJ. You know, he, there were some fantastic managers along the way. You know, Gudgeon Thornton at Stoke, Steve Parkin, um, at Barnsley. You know, he, you know John Coleman, Atkinson. You know, the way he did it. Not everybody's cup of tea, but he's had success. Yeah. You know, he got them. You know, from the conference back into the football league. You know, and the challenging against teams that have got, you know, that have got so much more money than them. Yeah. Year after year, they keep astounding, you know, people and doing really, really well. You know, similarly at Rochdale, you know, they haven't got the money that other clubs have got, but, they, you know, they hold their own and they do really, really well. So, yeah, um, going back to your initial question is, yeah, um, all the managers that I have played under, you know, I have taken bits from them and tried to implement it um, into something that, 
you know, I can pass on to the kids that I'm coaching now at Rochdale. Or, you know, wherever I'm coaching, you know, um, what worked for me will definitely work for a child in down here at Stockport. You know, football hasn't changed. You know, being a centre-half hasn't changed. You know, people ask me, you know, of today's team, you know, what, what do you think of Ash Palmer? You know, I love Ash Palmer. You know, it, it's fantastic. You know, I see a lot of Ash Palmer, in, you know, in myself. You know, he's exactly the same. He's he, a defender. All he wants to do is defend the ball, defend his goal, head it as far as he can and kick it as far as he can and keep clean sheets. And if he weighs in with a few goals at the other end, you know, that's a bonus. You know, and, and that's the art of defending, stopping goals and scoring goals. Well, it, it's, know, so. it's it's an interesting one because um, your name has come up, as you would imagine, in, in a couple of these uh, legend interviews that we've done, in particular, uh, Sean Connolly and Tony Dinning. I, 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 re, I remember a story that you told me in a bar, and I related to those. To, to, we, we said in the bar at Stubble County after a game one night where you and I were talking, and you said that you weren't the, the technically the, the best player ever, but you stuck to your job. You know, you, you had the heart of a lion. If, if a ball was coming over the top, you were winning it. If someone's running at you, they're not getting past you. It's that kind of mentality. Uh, and the feel that I got back from both players, in fact, they, they both said it as much. Tony Dinning actually went as far as saying you've done yourself a disservice there, rated you a lot higher than, than just that, that player. But Sean Connolly was saying he knew he was safe playing next to you, if you like. You had that understanding because... Um, you you did what you, you did your job. If you take if you take the analogy of the soup, you you were the carrot or or, or whatever. You won the yeah. ball back and then you, then you played it on. And that it was that mentality that garnered that success. We were speaking about the ninety six ninety seven season. You talk about competing competing with teams that you know you you shouldn't really have a right to. You you go going up against Premier League teams, you know, and exactly. everyone is doing their job, sticking to their bit. And is is that the mentality you think that got you through those? those games, you know, I want to speak about the West Ham game in a moment and and everything else, but yeah, is that what got you I, there? Yeah, but I, I wrongly think what, what you just said there um, about doing what I do is good, um, actually came from Joe Royal. Um, when I first broke into the first team Holden, the, the only thing he said to me, he said, look, you're in the team to do one thing, demolish the centre forward, get the ball back and pass it to the nearest blue shirt. He said, you do that, you'll have a great career in football. And he was right. And then he moved on to the next person. And I thought, flipping it. You know, people talk about football as if, like, you know, it's so, you do this, do that, do this, do that. And what he said to me was so basic. And I thought, right. And to be fair, that's all I've done. Oh, sorry, all I did throughout my career. Mm. And, you know, I did have a good career um, and a long career by doing the simple things right and giving the ball to the players that can pass the ball, i.e. Marsden's and Bennett's. You know, you, you, you never saw me control the ball in this box and go on a mad maze run, because that, that wasn't me. You know, what was me was what Joe said, go and demolish him, win your battle, get the ball, and give it to the ballers. And you, I stuck to that through, you know, the best part of 30 years. He stood me well. You speak about having a successful career. There's no one who's going to disagree with that. Let's look at some of those highlights in the, in the Stockport County career. I mean, uh, I'm going to ask you the same question as, as I've asked the other lads because yep. as fans, you you know, we want to hear this. We, we want to hear it from you guys. When it's all said and done and you're, you've retired from the game completely and you're sitting around the fire with the grandkids and whatever and you're saying, you know, come here, little Billy or whatever. This is, let me tell you about, this game at Stockport County, or that moment, or that goal, or or which which ones completely stand out with you, and you will never lose that memory. I mean, I mean, I mean I've got so many fond memories of everything I achieved at um, Stockport, um, you know, and Blackpool and other clubs that I played for. But um, you know, going back to Stockport, I think obviously the, um, the goal line clearance against Southampton at home. Yeah. Um, you know, I think if um, they had a score, then. I think that was, was dead and buried, going down to the Dell in, you know, the second leg. Um, you know, going down there with something to cling on to, um, give us hope. And um, we went down there and, you know, we did ourselves justice and, you know, we came back with a victory. So, you know, that was a big thing. Um, I think um, matching Duncan Ferguson um, in the games against Everton, you know, he never got the better of me. And he was actually waiting for me in the tunnel at Edgeley, um, with his shirt off, bare-chested, 
um, has a lot of past him. He just said, yeah, son, you deserve that. You've been magnificent over two wow. years. So, so I thought, you know, that that's a great accolade from, you know, a great player. Um, you know, going up to the Riverside, you know, winning up there, no one gives a, a sniff up there. You know, I think if, um, I, had, I think because it didn't have sense off, I can't remember which one it was. Um, one of them sent off, you know, I think we might beat them, but, you know, beating one nil up there in the second leg of the semi-final, that stands out. You know, got Chesterfield away when we um, we secured promotion. You know, we had to play, was it four games in three yeah. in a week? <laughs> you know, we played, played Saturday, Monday, Thursday, Saturday, we had to win three out of four. You know, we won Saturday, we won Monday, we won Thursday. All went down to Luton on Friday morning, all full of buckets. You know, and we couldn't be caught. You know, so yeah, you know, for me to pick out one moment uh, in my county career, I don't think I could. You know, I've played with so many fantastic players, fantastic managers. You know, the fans of I can honestly say I think 460 odd games I played for the club, and never once turned on me. You know, I go back now and you know, it's just handshake after handshake, pat on back, pat on back. You know, and, and I think one of one of the biggest things for me um, from 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 my county days was actually walking out with the legends against um, Alan Lord's um, team for my benefit night. Yeah. You know, the fans coming out, you know, and thanking me for not for what I did, but for what everybody in that football pitch did for that football club. You know, I think I think there were thirty odd um, legends there that night. Yeah. And some couldn't play because of obviously, you know, knees and ankles and all whatever, but they all turned out for me and Alan's lot all turned out, you know, with, you know, the best part of three thousand fans turned up to watch, you know, fifty year old blokes wobbling around the pitch. <laughs> but you know but yeah, you know, and that was a big thing for me, you know, massive thing. Well, it's it's not it's not something you get. It's not something every player gets, is it? I mean, every you know, there's there's a lot of good footballers out there, great footballers out there that have good careers where they you know they move from club to club and they may even play in the Premier League um, as well. But to have that recognition is not something every player gets. No, 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 not at all. But you know, you know, the fans, like I said before, you know, the the best fans I've ever played in front of at any of the clubs I played at. You know, I made the debut old in the old town team club, but that you know, I only played forty games there. You know, I played many, many more at Stockport and you know, they've been there for me through thick and thin, you know, and, and don't get me wrong, you know, uh, they you know, different managers over the years have turned down, you know, you know, big sums of money for me. And um, you know, I I could have caused uh, you know, a fuffle and decided, you know, I didn't want to play Stockport anymore. I, I, I wanted to go and sign to Birmingham. I wanted to go and sign to Tottenham. You know, Gary Megson turned down a Tottenham deal for me. You know, there's a 800 grand from Birmingham turned down. So, you know, I, I couldn't have moved on, but, you know, I stayed and I thoroughly enjoyed, you know, the 10 years I had a football club and, you know, it wasn't one day that I didn't enjoy going into work. I want to I want to speak about your your coaching career and management as well. Just just finally one one last thing on the on the good old days if you like and the, and the playing side of it. Sean Connolly said that his biggest regret in football was not going home with the team after that game against Chesterfield. He said him and Chris Marsden um, lived not too far from the ground in Chesterfield. Yeah. They, they Sheffield away, so they went off for a quiet pint. He said and he regrets it to this day. So I have to ask oh. you. What was that trip home like? What happened that night? <laughs> if you can remember it and you won't be forgiven. Well, uh, so you will be forgiven if, if you can. I certainly can remember it. Um, I remember giving the shirt away after the game. Uh, and Just a, a few months ago, um, some bloke came up to me when I was doing the car parade. He said, I've got your shirt for the Chesterfield game. I thought, that's nice one, but he's still got it. Uh, wow, what an occasion. You know, I, I genuinely thought we scored too early and it was going to be a long old night. And then the referee kept playing injury time and injury time and injury time. I just had this nagging thought at the back of me. He had that Chesterfield going to get equaliser. And it all got down to Luton on the last day. But, you know, the lads dug deep. You know, I think that was one of the traits of that team. You know, we had some resolution, um, call it big balls, you know, whatever you want. You know, Marsden's, Dennis, Armstrong's, Angels, you know, Connolly, Todd's, Jeffers. You go on and on and on. You know, the, the team was immense. And we hung in there. And we got what we deserved, and I think a trip that should normally take about an hour, hour and ten minutes, <laughs> yeah. you know, back down the A6, 
you know, probably took us about three hours. You know, every pub, <laughs> every corner was just full of county fans. I, I remember this vividly. It was the time of the local elections and the Liberal um, uh, Democrat um, council at the time was called Flynn in that area and every single county fan and nicked all these posters <laughs> off the walls and they were just holding Flynn banners up all the way down. You know, it was immense. We got straight back to Edgley, you know, as you can imagine, you know, the, the scenes at Edgley were unreal. You know, there were so many people there wishing us, you know, all, all the best and thanking us for everything that we've done. But at the end of the day, all it was a job. You know, we were doing it for the players. We are doing it, you know, we are doing it for ourselves, doing it for the fans, doing it for everybody. And then it was like a bit of a sing song. And I think we didn't jump in cars, obviously, because we're all, you know, had quite a few on bus going home and in change rooms. And it was straight to the finger post. Wow. And then, uh, then after that, you know, I think we had a media day then at um, Nottingham Hall later on in the afternoon. But um, Joanne had people phoning her up at home. GMR, you know, Jack Deaton from GMR, Cheeseman and all them phoning up, kind of speak to Flynn. He said, you're going to have to phone him on his mobile because he's not come home yet. We started staying in Stockport all night, you know, we, we did finger posts, obviously, you know, we had, you know, Murph and Babs, he was responsible for finger posts, and we had one almighty party there, you know, and that continued on the way down to Luton on the Friday, we had a few more Friday night, and then, you know, we played Luton, who we were third, we were second, they couldn't catch us. You know, and I, I can remember this so vividly. One of their players, um, Nutmeg, um, Chris Marsden, on the pitch, and shouts next, and Mazza uh, turned around and went, bothered, went, not with. You know, <laughs> the, the kids' balloon just popped so badly. You know, then Coops, I think, scored a penalty, put us 1-0 up, and we ended up drawing 1-1, but... You know, the party continued. The job had been done on the Thursday night. You know, it, it was, wow, it, it was an immense, well, four days, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You know, it, it was just, that, that's what dreams are made of. You know, that's what you play football for. You know, and for a, a football club like Stockport to experience, what they experienced in, you know, the, the 90s and early 2000s is, well, it's unbelievable, isn't it? So we move in. We move into management. Um, you you yeah. come back initially uh, as assistant to Neil Young. Now, uh, while I was researching for this, uh, most of the um, most of the the time was, as you say, looking back at those good old days, looking back at those games, and you know the the, the Ian Dowie on goal and, and everything else. But you look to the Neil Young, and it's a different environment, isn't it? You're counting in a much different place in the in the league pyramid. Then um, yeah. you've, you've come back as assistant. You spoke. So highly of Neil Young. I mean, in the game, in the game, the Nuneaton game, that obviously you took as manager, County got the draw. In your interview yeah. with John Kieran after the game, you spoke really, really highly of Neil Young. You then go on to become Jim Gannon's assistant. It's 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 a crazy time, isn't it? It is a crazy time, but that's football, isn't it? You know, you know, the manager. Um, it's like uh, if you speak to Brian Murphy now, BBM at Rochdale, you're, you're only eight weeks away from the sack. Eight bad results, and you're out. So it is a cruel world. You know, a lot of people say, you know, there's a turnstile on the manager's office, you know, one in, one out, you know. But, you know, yeah, Neil Young was fantastic. You know, he, he was very uh, methodical in everything he did. You know, Gary Jones, his assistant, was, uh, was a very, very knowledgeable person who, you know, played at a decent level, you know, a great lad. And, you know, to be fair, you know, we had some good players under Neil. Mm. But unfortunately, it, you know, it didn't pan out how um, everybody envisaged it. Um, you know, he'd had success with Chelsea getting them out of it, yeah. and he just wasn't to be. We stopped Port for one reason or another, and then obviously Jim comes back. Um, Alan Lardy initially asked me to come back and work with Jim. Um, I came back had a chat with Jim, and yeah, why not? And um, you know, I loved it. I loved it. You know, he was he was different. You know, Jim. Jim. I mean, I've gone on record as saying this. He has changed. From when he was a player to what he is now, he's a lot more mellow. You know, he does listen to people. He takes on board um, criticism and um, people's views. You know, whereas I think a few years ago he was a little bit of um, it's my way or no way type thing, but now he's, he's kind of loosened the reins a little bit and, you know, he, he takes on board everybody's um, views, which is a good thing. Uh, ultimately, he's the manager. He makes decisions on who plays, who we sign, 
uh, what formation we're going to play, what tactics we're going to use, and ultimately, you know, it's, it's up to him um, who plays and what way we play. But you know, Jim's so um, thorough in anything he does. Um, you know, if, if there anything, the only criticism I would have of him is he's too thorough. With at the time I was there with him, with the players that he had, you know, I, I think Jim kind of did do it. Um, as he was still managing the football league club, it's not the Joe Royal approach, is it? Where where you were saying before, you simply beat the centre forward, get the ball, and pass it on. Is it, are you saying it's a yeah. different approach? Yeah, I'm, I'm saying that Jim's so thorough. You know, it give it give you the ins and outs of everything. You know, he tell you what foot you play, you're playing against his favourite trick. He does this, he does that. This is where he goes. In, you know, when they've got the ball here, this is what they do. Blah 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 blah, and. At times, sometimes it's a little bit of uh, information overload for people. Yeah. Um, obviously, some players can take it on, other players can't. Um, I think at the level that you're at, some players, you know, the, and I'm not saying Benny's for one, but if you take Benny into consideration, you know, he's up at three, four o'clock in the morning. He's worked twelve, you know, twelve hours driving. He's tired. He's coming to training. You know, he's getting bamboozled with this, that, and the other. He's hard for them. Yeah, you know, a lot of players who are playing non-league just want to play for the not for the fun of it, but the enjoyment, and not have all that hassle. Yeah. But Jim, I'm not saying Jim being Jim because who he is, you know, he's a fantastic manager. Don't get me wrong, you know, he's, he's you know, he doesn't leave any stone unturned. He wants the best, and I'm sure next season, obviously, if this season is right off, he'll be challenging proper for that title. Do you, th- do you think now, and I, I guess you've, you've kind of answered the question already there, but you'll have seen about the new owners at Stockport County, the investment that's come with it, the new players that are coming through the door, uh, the fact that Jim's at the helm. Do you think now County are on the way back and do you think they can reach maybe the levels that they reached when, when you were playing with the club? I, I think it's a big ask, you know, to be challenging for silverware in the, you know, the Premier Cup competitions, challenging you know, for getting into the Premiership. You know, that's a massive ask, but, you know, um, I believe the new chairman's in it for the long haul. You know, he's got money. Um, but everybody will want to beat them. You know, they're going to be... Everybody's cut five, aren't they, next year? Yeah. Uh, whether it be the FA Trophy, you know, the... Whatever cup. Um, <clears throat> every league game, even the Cheshire Senior Cup, the likes of Runcorn and, you know, crew, people like that, everybody's going to want to beat Stockport County because... Like the Manchester United, aren't they? The Premier League. Yeah, no, 100%. Flinny, it has been an absolute honour speaking with you tonight. We've, as I say to, to a couple of players, we've well overrun the time that I thought it was going to be, but it's, it's been great hearing some of these stories back. We, we mentioned just before we came on, we do have a little quick fire quiz to throw at you tonight. Yeah, well, now, like it's 20 seconds long. Currently, yeah. currently, uh, Andy Priest and Tony Dinnan are leading the way. Sean Connolly got two. Um, those guys got four. Richard Landon had four questions, but um, didn't hit a full success rate. So we're going to give you 20 seconds on the clock. They're the guys yep. to beat. Uh, your time starts now. From any era, name a county player whose surname begins with A. With A? Yeah. Pass. How many teams in the National League? 23. Then what is the name of Stockport County's ground? Hedges Park. What country did Louis Cavaco come from? Portugal. How many letters in Stockport County? Fourteen. Really? Um, <laughs> you've you've answered, you've answered more questions than anyone, uh, but unfortunately you didn't hit the, the top of the leaderboard. Um, when you said name name a surname uh, a county player surname beginning with A, you said Alan Armstrong and Brett Angel just a few minutes before. I was waiting for that answer to come through. Um, nah. <laughs> it is quick fire though. Uh, we're not going to hold you. Uh, too close to it. It's been an absolute treat having you tonight. As you mentioned, who knows what's going to happen with this season, but we do see you at the ground quite a lot. You're still a regular at County, aren't you? Yeah, and to be fair, I mean, I've been honest, I've, I've not got down um, half as much as I would, I would like to have done this year. The reason being, obviously, the workload I've got um, at Rochdale is, is quite a lot. Um, Saturdays, I play, sorry, um, you know, I'm a sister manager for the youth team, so, you know, we're up to Carlisle, down to Walsall, we're all over the place. Um, and I haven't got time to go and get training, get down there. Um, Tuesday nights, um, main training night, 
for the 15, so obviously he can't make midweek games. So it's it, 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 it's been hard this year, but hopefully going forward, um, you know, I'll get back as many times as I can, and you know, I'm hopefully meet up with the new chairman and um, you know a few of the new people that have, have actually joined the football club and introduced yourself. Mm-hmm. And obviously, have a beer with the likes of yourself and Sam, Steve. You know, Steve Gray, you know, there's loads of people in there. It's, it's like a family for me down there. Yeah, well, it's it's one that was is forever going to welcome you back. Flynn, it's been a, an absolute treat. Uh, I hope you have a great night. Yeah, thanks very much. Top man. So, Chris, if you had to pick one part of that interview, what did you enjoy hearing about the most in that there? Uh, I love I love the story. I love the story when he's saying that, um, you know, he's getting his big move into the Premier League. And... Um, he, he's just still a young boy with his dad uh, and he goes down to meet the manager of Norwich in this in the uh, hotel reception and um, they get there and they're waiting for him and his dad turns to him and says do you even know what he looks like? and he says no <laughs> and they just don't know and then they sit at the table and eventually they work out who's who so they go and sit over with him and, they, and, and the manager says to him, right, so how much do you want? What what wages are you looking for? And he's going, well, I don't know. <laughs> what can I ask for? I, I thought, yeah, you know, that's... He said, he said he learned more about football in that kind of half-hour, hour conversation, whatever it was, um, than he did in, in years on the pitch because, you know, he didn't make that mistake again. He did not make the mistake of going to a club and not knowing what the gaffer looked like or not knowing what wages he was going to ask for. You know, that and the fact that he was quite open speaking about, you know, he was a player, he had to get paid for his for his job and he you know, he made sure he always got the best deals for himself, but at the same time he um you know, he wore the shirts with, with pride and honour and he, he he stuck to his own game and he did what he had to do. I thought I just thought it's, that's exactly what you expected Mike Flynn to be like. Do you know what I mean? When when you see all those old videos, yeah um especially the county ones of, of him just you know he's the leader isn't he he's the, the big hard centre half you don't get it past him you don't beat him in the air but then he'll celebrate with the team he'll you know he's the leader on and off and he just that's how that's the way he spoke that's the way he came across he you know there was no there was no BS with him do you know what I mean he was just straight down the middle this is what happened and um, yeah I really liked that I, that I could speak to Flinny all night given the chance imagine that these days imagine going for an interview um, about signing with a manager and not knowing what he looked like, and it be you know, and not knowing, not having an agent, not knowing what wages you were going to ask for, you know, everything. So I mean, even you know, I've heard on a couple of podcasts about agents. You know, there are agents out there who who are making a living, um, and I'm this is not being dispar- disparaging at all here because um, you know they're part of the, the football landscape now. But some of them, you know, have like twenty, thirty youngsters on their books nobody that you'll have ever heard of but they're making a living they're just such an integral part of the game now imagine yeah. imagine that you know going to Simon Norwich you don't know what the manager looks like <laughs> <laughs> I mean the, I mean Norwich were a high Daniel Fark it's, it's Daniel Fark yeah. isn't it managers yeah, yeah I mean you, you know I, I guess it's, it's it's I can't just think of the Premier League it's been that long since we've seen any action I can't just think who's the top 10 kind of teams at the moment well, imagine going to, to one of those clubs up there imagine going signing for I don't know Bournemouth or someone and, and sitting in the room and saying you know Eddie Howe's going to come through in a minute <laughs> do you know what he looks like <laughs> uh, no I don't yeah, um, yeah it's, it's crazy but you know the, the way he speaks about um, him having this lifelong goal to, to play for Oldham you know I thought that was an interesting one to, to open with but you know, he always wanted to play for his local club. All his friends came and watched him. His family grew up watching him and everything else. And then he got into the team at a really young age. And you know, what do you do when you've boxed off your dream at that age? You know, what do you do? So the the only way was up. And the fact that he was able to, the fact that he was able to speak to to big clubs like Bolton Wanderers and say to them, um, "I'm going to turn you down because." you're going to play me in a position that you know I, I don't feel I'm I'm here to play you know he, he mentioned it in that interview there where he's saying they were going to put me at right back so I said to him I, I don't want to play as a right back and he's he's talking that's, that's Bolton Wanderers that's uh, he's a young kid who, who you know he's he's not the first team at Oldham yet or he's played a few games at Oldham 
and Bolton Wanderers come knocking for him. He's turning him down because he's just got that belief that his career is going to propel. Um, it, the the guy is the guy is made. He's cut from a different cloth, and um, yeah, it's it's been a real honour having him on. Yeah, outstanding interview. And who have you got next up? Uh, so next up, we've we've actually got a couple to box off um, in the coming weeks. We've got Peter Ward coming up. Uh, Kevin Cooper is coming up as well. Um, we've also got a couple more. Obviously, the goal is big Kevin Francis. We are still working on that one, but um, I can assure you there are some irons in that fire. So if you're listening, Kev, <laughs> uh, text, me, <laughs> text me back. <laughs> but but um, Long time yeah, hold out, uh, big Kev. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it, yeah. We're always busy here at the County Towers uh, as well, you know, Martin. So, yeah, we'll, we'll have some good content coming down the pipe. Well, I hope that, like when we did our Legends Evening, Peter Ward, uh, I know well, he's going to have some stories about Danny Bagara. There's absolutely no doubt. But I hope he does his accent because you know that oh. just that had me in stitches in the in the uh, you know on that night when we did our Legends Evening. One of the funniest stories I've got from Peter Ward from that Legends Evening was when he was talking. Do you remember when he was talking about um, the training session the the night after they'd all been out and had a skinful the night before, and um, him and him uh, and Lee Todd uh, and a few others were doing a few laps of the pitch, um, you know, to get warmed up. And Toddy has mentioned to him that uh, that he needs to um, how do I say this politely <laughs> that he, he needs to go and drop a load off behind a bush <laughs> so so, so, uh, so we alright quick just run while, while you know the gaffer won't notice just while we're doing this uh, while we're doing the warm ups so Toddy does and then Woody says pass me a leaf <laughs> I wonder what kind of knee what kind of leaf Wardy just happened to pick up and pass over the bush of course it was a stinging nettle <laughs> I just I really hope that that story gets relived um, in the interview with Wardy next week he's he's the kind of guy that if he wasn't a footballer I'm telling you the guy could be a comedian um, but I can't wait for it yeah that'll be an absolute cracker that will be a cracker like Mike Flynn was this evening Chris thanks cheers mate 